Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. I have two guests today, and they're from CBIN. Brian Plant is the General Manager, North America, and Scott Taylor is the Global Partnerships Manager. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, Marcia. Thanks so much for having us. Well, you know, and and you know what? And that's just what's going to happen. Where there's sometimes where you're going to talk over one another, and it's okay with me. So let's let's get this party started. And Brian, the reason that I even knew about Seabin, frankly, and I mentioned this on my Facebook Live, is because you came and spoke at a Rotary meeting that I belong to, and we meet in Marina Del Rey, which for those of us that live on the west. In the air, in Los Angeles area, we're very familiar with that. If you live in, you know, someplace else on the East Coast, you may never have heard of Marina Del Rey. But that's how I heard about CBIN and what you guys are doing. And I think this is going to be a fascinating show. And Brian, I thought we could just start off with you. Please just tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Yeah. Um, thanks, Marcia. Um, so I am like a through and through like water water person, waterman. Um, I am like destined to be on the water in one, one capacity or another, whether it's surfing, sailing, um, spent 15 years as a marina manager, you know, professionally managing marinas here in Marina Del Rey. Um, so that's, that's kind of like what, you know, what's about me, but then, you know, also I'm a, I'm a dad. Um, I'm married. I got like two small boys that, you know, I'm trying to show, you know, a way to, to be a better steward for the environment. Um, and, you know, try to lead, lead by example. It's always been my, my go-to is, that, you know, whenever I'm leading a project, I want to lead by example, so I'm no different with my kids. Well, did, did you grow up here in this area? Did, I mean, were you always in this part of, of this area? I, I think I was supposed to be, um, but strangely <laughs> enough, I was born land, landlocked in the, in the Midwest. So I, I no grew up on, on lakes and uh, lake, lakes and rivers in, in the Midwest, in Wisconsin, Minnesota. Um, met my now wife in Iowa, and we decided that we were uh, we weren't meant to be there anymore. And we we came out west, and two boys later, and a dog. And, <laughs> you know, we're loving life. That is just great. I, I, you know, I can relate to this. My husband also was he was from Detroit, and he said, you know what, I want to be by the ocean. And we had a, we had a boat as well, so I understand what you mean. Um, Scott, d- tell us a little bit about yourself, because I know you're in Florida as we speak now, correct? Yes, yeah, I am. Um, and I was, yeah, I was just going to say, it's funny how, um, you know, Brian being from the Midwest, and I actually had a, I kind of lived all over the world growing up, yet mm. um, despite our different backgrounds, we, you know, it's just interesting how, um, you know, a passion for the ocean can bring people together, um, regardless mm-hmm. of, of your background. But, um, 
Yeah, I uh, I grew up in a shipping family, so my dad worked in the shipping industry his whole career, mm-hmm. and so that you know I was fortunate enough to live in places like Hong Kong and Puerto Rico, oh. Oahu, Hawaii, and um, you know out in the Bay Area and California and Florida, um, and then you know have you know, traveled to a lot of different places globally too. And um, have similar to Brian, I've always been um, obsessed with the ocean, Um, Mm -hmm. whether it be surfing or swimming or diving or um, just going to the beach with, with friends and family. And Mm -hmm. so I've, I've always been drawn and wanting to, you know, align my career to something with the ocean. And it wasn't until recently or, you know, the past couple of years with Stephen where I was able to do that. But, um, yeah, I uh, uh, studied uh, business in, in college, and um, I've always really enjoyed helping people and solving problems with people, which has, you know, kind of led me into, um, you know, a business development and partnership background where I try to, you know, add value to businesses and, and people's lives. And so, you know, had the opportunity to kind of join my passion of ocean with, you know, my background in partnerships and business with, you know, the current role in, in CBEN. Um, and just last kind of piece about me personally, similar to Brian, I'm also a, a dad of a one and a half year old and have um, number, another boy on the way. Oh, and, boy. Uh, um, yeah, same, you know, Brian and I talk a lot about how, um, you know, our, our boys and our family are just serve as reminders that as they grow older, we want to do everything we can to provide a, a thriving um, environment for, for them. Um, so it's definitely, you know, a big reason why we do what we do at CBEN. I think that's terrific. And that just leads me into this, Brian. So maybe you could tell us when it was founded and tell us about CBEN. Let's, 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 let's learn. So when was it founded? It was founded in 2016, um, which came actually about how I found out about it too, hot off the heels of a Kickstarter campaign um, of these two Australian surfers turned boat builders um, working with the America's Cup, Volvo Ocean Racing, um, created an in-water trash can that was filtering out marine debris. Um, and I remember as a, as a marina manager, dock master, you know, seeing this program, you know, taking shape and just like really by commenting that, you know, I could not wait until they were commercially viable if I could buy them for the marina that I was at. Um, so in 2016, 2017, that's, that's when that, that came to fruition. Um, uh, so what, what Steven is, um, like I said, it's a, it's a, you know, in water trash can. So you can imagine a, a pool, a pool skimmer and a, you know, a smaller trash can combined. Um, it attaches next to a dock, um, you plug it into power, and it's it's filtering marine debris and uh, specifically microplastics out of our our waterways 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week. Um, but we did have a you know a bit of a shift, so you know I'm not going to jump quite into that yet. But you know we were selling to end users to start. So you know the marina that I was at here in Marina del Rey, we purchased four of the units um, and put them in. There was a couple other spots up here that did as well. Um, and mm-hmm. we ended up in 53 countries with over 2,000 units um, being sold on, on the, in that model. Um, wow. And it was, you know, really exciting. Um, but, you know, it changed, you know, as, as we got that big, um, I don't think we had the right partners as far as, like, manufacturing and servicing. And then, you know, a huge thing is that 
we saw that the data was was so important that we were able to you know pull out of these units um so yeah like we're we're pulling trash out of the water but you know there's there's a whole other facet to what we do and it's mm-hmm. you know it's really around the the data and like understanding of you know the particulates that are in the water sure and you know you there are a lot of nonprofit organizations that that um will walk along the shoreline and just pick up debris i know or like um biono wetlands which i mean most people would not be familiar with but i know that you probably are and mm-hmm. and the and the trash that you know people you know are just so disrespectful it's it's really unfortunate frankly um did it i believe i don't know if we mentioned this it started in australia am i right about that oh yeah that that is correct yeah so it's what okay the yes and no so like it uh oh. it, it definitely was started by by two australians that the all the prototyping happened you know when they jumped off the boat building tour so they were actually in in Spain, in, in Palma, Mallorca, um, like in a, you know, a sail loft converted to like their little factory. And our mm-hmm. CEO, co-founder, uh, Peter Stiglinski, became a a fabricator, a sewer. Like he basically everything that he needed to do to produce this, you know, first initial prototype. Um, I see. Him and his partner like did together in Spain and then decided they wanted to come back to Australia and, and really headquartered there. And Sydney, am I right? Is it in Sydney, Australia? Uh, first big program is. So, you know, our, okay. our paradigm shift from, you know, selling to end users to, you know, our, our newest model, which we'll cover shortly. Um, sure. Sydney was our first big program where we established, you know, established a big route, um, installed 34 C-bins. Um, yeah, but the our headquarters is actually up up north a little bit. Um, by Byron Bay. Okay. Well, Scott, let me ask you this. How did you personally get involved with CBIN? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And one thing I'll mention just before that was, you know, as mm-hmm. Brian was talking about, you know, how CBIN's a hybrid between this pool skimmer and a trash can, I highly mm-hmm. encourage anyone to either uh, Google a CBIN in action or, you know, reach out to go, uh, you know, to us to go see one in person because they're mm-hmm. actually, they're very mesmerizing, they're very mesmerizing to watch. Yeah. It's almost like watching, watching a, a, like you're sitting around a campfire when everyone's staring into the fire. It, oh, it, they really cool. have that, they really have that effect, you know, as they're running 24 um, seven. But um, yeah, how I got involved um, yeah, the cool thing about Steven is everyone has a an organic, you know, unique story of how they got involved. And for me, I, um, you know, like I said, I was trying to, I'd kind of been on this mission of trying to, you know, align personal passions with my career. And since I'd always had a, you know, passion for the ocean and, you know, every beach outing I had, I was always that guy that turned it into a mini beach cleanup. And, Probably five years ago, uh, my girlfriend, now wife at the time, she sent me a video of a CBIN, and it was that first prototype that Brian was talking about. And it was this viral video that has since gotten, you know, billions of views. Um, I saw it, and I said, I need to figure out how I can get involved with this. Um, And at the time, CBIN was just selling CBIN all around the world, and CBIN wanted to 
start building out its footprint in uh, the U.S. And at the time, I was based in California. And so I actually just filled out a form online um, Hmm. like four or five years ago saying, hey, you know, I have a full-time job, but if you need, you know, volunteers to help with sales um, of these units, like, let me know. I'd I'd love to get involved in any way. And, um, you know, a few months later, I um, came on as a volunteer helping out with sales and was doing that for, you know, off and on for two or three years kind of outside hmm. of my nine to five and, and doing it on weekends. And, um, you know, what's obviously staying, you know, very you know, in touch with Pete, the the CEO and co-founder and, um, you know, saying, Hey, if there's ever an opportunity for, you know, folks to come on at a more, you know, permanent capacity here in the U S I'd love to join. And so that opportunity came after a crowdsource investment round, you know, a few years ago. And, um, um, yeah, came on as, uh, you know, a member of the global partnerships team, um, you know, as a part of our new model where we, you know, work with businesses to um, sponsor and fund our, um, you know, our operations now. So, yeah, that's a little how I got involved. That's, that's you know, nothing is greater than when you can combine a passion with employment at the same time where it's like, oh, you're going to pay me for this? You know, it, it's it's pretty cool. And a lot of people, you know, are able to do that and, and find careers where they um, are aligned. But I think it's great when you're able to do that. And I guess, Brian, I, I'm curious about you. What what, what brought you to um, work with CBIN? I mean, it, it, again, it's it's uh, very much an, an organic way that um, I think we bring people into our our organization. So like I'd mentioned, you know, we bought as a marina operator here, we bought four of the units and installed them. Um, and during those, you know, my you know, three years before I came on um, to see Ben, you know, was, there was a definite communication back and forth with, you know, myself and different members of the team in Australia. Um, if there was, cause we were maintaining the units as a, as a marina entity. So if I had questions about like, hey, how does how does this piece work, or you know, what do I need to do if it's if it's not working, or hey, I need this replacement piece, um, started a like a dialogue and this conversation with with the Australian team, um, and then actually ended up hosting an event when you know our, our CEO was doing a, a West Coast tour um, a few years back, um, you know, highlight the sea bench here in LA, and then was you know driving up and down the coast, did an event at Patagonia um, in Ventura. Um, and then last, last year he, he came to me and he's like, you know, I, I, I want you to, to run North America to get California set up. Let's get all wow. kicked off. And it was, hmm. I don't know, it was a, it was an interesting like point to be in because I, had, I definitely had built my career in, in Marine operations, um, was very comfortable, um, and, you know, secure in this position, but felt like I, I was at a point in my life where I wanted to give back, um, to this environment, this ecosystem mm-hmm. that has given me, like, frankly, my life, like, it's professionally and recreationally, like, the, the ocean has given me, you know, my identity um, and, you know, fulfilled my passion. So I, you know, after a quick conversation with my wife and making sure that she wasn't going to kill me for doing something rash, um, <laughs> I, I was, Which she wasn't. you know, oh. no, she was That's very funny. supportive and, you know, I, I was on my way with, with Steven. That's terrific. Well, Scott, so we've talked about this, Stephen, and, and frankly, I have posted pictures of it 
on my blog so people can see what they what what they actually look like. But I'm mm-hmm. wondering, how did you go from selling sea bins to now and, and why to now focusing on building communities and impact data for cities? It sounds like you're more you're on the data side of mm-hmm. this now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is a yeah great question and definitely an important. Um, discussion to have and one we have regularly mm-hmm. um yeah like so like brian said uh you know we used to just sell these to frankly anyone who wanted to buy one whether you had a dock in your backyard um uh, you know on a river or uh, you know you were a yacht club or a marina or a harbor etc and so mm-hmm. you know it was amazing that we were able to sell thousands of these units across you know dozens of countries um but we you know, as, as we started, you know, growing and scaling these, we had this epiphany as a company that, you know, as, as Brian said earlier, the real, you know, magic and impact in these in these bins and this technology is understanding what we are catching in them, why do we think it's there, and what can we all collectively do to prevent um, this pollution from ending up in, um, you know, our waterways and oceans to begin with. And so, you know, we felt that really the only way we could efficient, efficiently uh, provide, you know, analyze and provide this, this data to everyone was by having full-time even staff, you know, do all the servicing and maintenance of the units, do all the, the you know, data collection and sorting and have our, in, you know, our in-house data science team analyzing all the data and, and building out these very beautiful and robust data and impact reports. And so, um, you know, that's really the, the focus now is because, you know, it's one thing to, to remove all this debris, but, uh, you know, it's a whole another thing to really try to turn off the tap and prevent it from, um, prevent it from ending up there in the first place. And so, you know, now what we do is we go city by city. Uh, we hire, you know, full-time local staff in that area. You know, we work with, um, you know, the marina uh, or yacht club host sites um, where the units live. We work with government to try to engage, you know, their involvement in our cleanup efforts and in our data efforts. Um, and, you know, how this program is now funded is either through, you know, city uh, funding and, and partnership or value-aligned businesses and, and organizations who may have, ocean health or sustainability goals, or frankly, they may be big contributors to plastic pollution and they want to be a part of the, of the solution and, and help tell this critical data story. And so, you know, again, we're going city by city now, you know, building out these, this very robust and grassroots and, you know, community-based, you know, program that we call our smart city program. And so, the, the first smart city program was launched in Sydney a few years ago. Uh, the second city has been uh, in Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, we're looking to, to um, 100 cities by, by 2050. Um, wow. Again, really trying to use this, this data, um, you know, one, to align to, um, you know, businesses and, and partners who want to get involved um, but then also, you know, governments and communities to really try to help create policy and behavior change around, um, you know, littering and plastic, et cetera. 
So let me interrupt you because because I'm I'm trying to visualize all of this, and I and I know mm-hmm. what it looks like. I know that it's two it's two components. There's a um, the, the the plastic, and then there's the netting. Let's call it that that goes inside it. Do you mm-hmm. do you ever unfortunately get fish in there too? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on Scott on that one. Um, yeah, please. So the bycatch is is like less than than one percent of of our our, our total catches. Um, and if we do get any like small bycatch, because it is only filtering the very top um, portion of the water column, so it's you know roughly about an inch and a half, two inches below the the water line. Um, oh. it's small bait fish that have been hunted up from like predatory fish or sea lions, um, when they land in there, if they're healthy, they're, they're totally fine. So we, we empty these out every day. Um, so we grab them out of the catch, we throw them back in the water, they swim away and you know, all, all is good. Um, good. sometimes we'll find some like bigger things in there that were, you know, more than likely deceased before, before arrival into the sea bin. Okay. How much, if if you were to, I've, and Brian, let me just ask this because I'm just kind of curious. Um, so I'm I'm picturing the sea bin. I'm picturing, you know, water bottles, plastic water bottles. I'm picturing, you know, you know, whatever bags or whatever might be caught. Um, how much does that weigh when it's actually lifted when it's full? Is it heavy? It it, it depends what's going on. So, you know. This winter, when we had so much rain out here in California, um, Southern California, yeah. and like the the rivers were flowing and the storm drains were evacuating tons of water, we were pulling anywhere like so we have eleven bins in in Marina del Rey, and I think the average like catch weight on those you know through the winter was you know probably somewhere between ten and fifteen pounds like per day yeah. um, per twenty four hour period. Um, so they definitely can get heavy. Um, which is almost even more scary because it, you know plastic doesn't weigh a whole lot. So right. while we are getting some like marine, you know, organic debris, um, you know, kelp, seaweed, that is still right. inundated with with plastic. So the you know the amount of things we're pulling out of the water and how light they are is is alarming. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. You guys like to be physically in the water. Um, I, I'm not one of those people. I know we had a boat, but it was like whatever. But what I love so much about being by the water is I'm a bird person. And you know this for a fact, Brian. We have a tremendous amount of, um, of pelicans and seagulls. And we also have the sea lions um, that are um, on the docks mm-hmm. and the egrets and the night herons. I mean, I could go on and on about this. And we sure don't want those animals picking up plastic. And you can see it, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's pretty unfortunate, frankly. Um, and I was just wondering, Brian, mm-hmm. since you're still speaking at this point, um, what's the data been telling you as you've started gathering this data? What it's 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 scary, but so I want to I'm going to add into your to your bird story though first because it's, okay. it's just like brought up a very a very vivid memory of having a group of our sponsors down. We, you know uh-huh. anyone that comes on as a sponsor, we 
we like to bring them and their team down. Uh, we go through a, a data collection, hands-on, really kind of show them firsthand, like, what their impact is and, like, what, what the state of the environment is. Um, so they're, you know, going through and actually sorting the catch with us. But almost on cue uh, during one of these sessions, I saw a seagull fly right by us over by the fuel mm-hmm. dock, and it was mm-hmm. carrying none other than, like, one of our six-pack, like, plastic rings. Um, oh, from like a you know six pack of cans and like it, it you almost could it couldn't have been more of like a like an impact moment right? and like dialed mm-hmm. in for like these people that were sorting through this debris and plastics in the water to see this natural you know creature this bird fly by like holding on to this plastic ring um, oh. yeah but I, I I couldn't help but like tell the story because it was it was just yeah because like, you can see it too crazy like yeah. not to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So really, so what's the data been telling you um, right now? Well, I think, you know, the the biggest thing that the data has been telling us is that L.A. has a major plastic uh, and, like, debris problem. Um, mm-hmm. So every one, one – at this point with our 11 bins, we are catching one piece of plastic um, every four seconds. Oh, my gosh. In Sydney – out of 34 bins, this is, this is kind of like a, a crazy statistic. So they have 34 bins in Sydney, and we're 11 in, in Randall, right? One every four seconds on our 11 bins, and they, they jump up to one every six seconds in their 34 bins. Wow. So it's, you know, it's, it's pretty wild how much, you know, for a developed city, you know, that, you know, on a lot of fronts, like, is trying to, like, talk about sustainability and, you know, put policies in place that are – you know, protecting these ecosystems and, like, how much of a, a problem we still have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're at... Yeah, Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, yeah no, I was actually just going to chime in along that, um, just to kind of paint a picture for, you know, what we're seeing in, you know, Los Angeles and in Marina Del Rey specifically. You know, these, obviously every single day, our environmental technician team, we're going down to these units, we are emptying them, you know, weighing the catch, you know, doing an initial data collection. And, you know, in, in Sydney, in Sydney Harbor, you know, a, a 24 hour catch that has a hundred, you know, to 200 pieces of microplastics, um, which is anything under five millimeters, that's considered a, a lot of microplastics, you know, in, mm-hmm. in Sydney. In Los Angeles, over a 24-hour period, it is not uncommon at all to pull out thousands um, of, <sighs> of microplastics over a 24-hour period. And, um, you know, while talking about these, you know, statistics can be, it can feel dire and grim, you know, that's why, you know, we really try to focus on, you know, telling the data story and, and trying to get folks involved to be a part of, of the solution and how we can arm, you know, government with, you know, a real modality to monitor and track the performance of policy and behavior on land, you know, related to, to plastic. Um, sure. And, you know, just maybe another, uh, you know, optimistic example of, you know, what our data can, can do in, in, you know, in Sydney, they, I want to say a year and a half to two years ago, they put in place a ban on plastic bags. And, hmm. um, you know, the city doesn't 
you know, really have a real way to monitor, well, how, what has the behavior been around plastic bags since then? We can obviously, you know, enforce, you know, um, uh, rules and regulations with businesses and not providing them. But, you know, they, they didn't really have a way to monitor how people were behaving, you know, with plastic bags post um, this ban. And, you know, Sieben was able to to demonstrate that there was a there's been a 70 percent reduction in plastic bags found in Sydney Harbor since this ban was put in place. And so mm-hmm. that just served as a great example as to, you know, how our data can be used to really better the environment in our waterways and, you know, tell that story to the community to try to continue to educate and, um, you know, create, you know, change with them as well. Um, so I just wanted you know, to, it, to chime in with a yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did. And you know what's so interesting, what, what I'm visualizing, because I'm hearing what you're saying, um, I don't live that far from the marina, but it doesn't matter where you're living. If you go to Target, if you go to the, your grocery store, wherever you're going, not Costco, because if you want to take something home from Costco, you can recycle. You can take some of those boxes and put your stuff in there and then take them home. And mm-hmm. I, I know that for myself that everything that's plastic that I get rid of goes into what we call our recycling bin here because we do have three bins for that. But, mm-hmm. you know, wherever you go, you go out to eat, and, you, and you're going to take your leftovers home. They come home in a plastic bag. So then what do you do with it? So we as consumers, regardless of where we live, have a responsibility and and I just wanted to add that, Scott. But I I also wanted to say, so based on what you guys are doing, who are your customers? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. You know, like we've, you know, referenced a couple times, our customers, had, you know, used to be marinas and yacht clubs, you know, right. boat home owners, et cetera, right? And now, um, you know, the end goal is for uh, government – whether at a city, state, or federal level, to be our main customer. Because, mm. you know, with Sieben, trans- transparently, we feel if there, if there is, you know, government infrastructure on land for waste management, we mm-hmm. feel that there should be the, we should feel there should be the same on, on our coastlines um, and, 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 and in the water. Uh, because, a very large majority of what we pull out, it comes from land. It comes from the city streets. It comes from, um, uh, uh, you know, runoff during during storms. Um, and so, you know, in, in Sydney, you know, one of our customers down there is the city of Sydney. And, and you know, we'd love for, um, you know, all cities to – you know, become customers of ours and, and get involved with our, you know, cleanup and data and, and community efforts. Um, and so as we, you know, continue to pursue partnership with, you know, city governments, state governments, et cetera, you know, we've taken this, this, you know, amazing grassroots approach to partnering with, you know, businesses that, um, you know, have initiatives around, you know, plastic pollution removal or, um, you know, maybe contributors to, you know, a lot of pollution that's out there, like, you know, a lot of consumer, um, uh, you know, consumer um, goods, 
right, that mm-hmm. where a lot of their wrappers or items may end up in our sea bins. And again, they want to be a part of, of the solution. And so, uh, you know, we work with, um, you know, sponsors across the food and beverage industry, um, the CPG industry, the hotel industry, um, you know, uh, tech, um, uh, finance and, and banking. And it's just this amazing you know, roster of sponsors from a whole variety of different industries um, that are all united around, you know, wanting to, um, you know, not just, again, not just remove, you know, plastic pollution from our waterways, but really be a part of this impact data story to, you know, create the real long-term change. You know, it's funny. Um, I'm a lot older than you guys. You're, you're more like the age of my kids. But when I was growing up back in the day, and I've I've lived in Westchester my entire life, but this was the case in Los Angeles. And I think I'm using the right words. If I'm not, you'll correct me. But we used to have these things called storm drains. And when there would be water or whatever that would be runoff, it would go into these holes that are along the curbs. And then, you know, out it would go to the, I presume, out into the ocean. Now they have, I don't even know if they have storm drains anymore. I'm going to have, I walk a lot in my community. I don't, I don't think we have, I don't know that we have storm drains. I'm going to look. But I, it seems to me that even while I was a child, they eventually, because kids, we started climbing in them. Hello, we were stupid. They started putting grading across those storm drains. Now, I'm talking decades and decades ago mm-hmm. do do cities still have those things along streets where stuff flows into storm drains and then out to the ocean yeah, yeah. I'll, let, I'll let brian i'll let brian chime in on um kind of what it you know looks like in la specifically but i just i you know, you brought up a really good point marcia in that you know these when these storm drains were built at the time plastic pollution was not a, you know, nearly as big of a problem as it is. So there was no mm-hmm. way for cities to, to, you know, predict that it would just be this, this feeder of, you know, litter and plastics that ended up in our oceans, because that's really where all these storm drains end up. You can see them just dumping into, into the ocean. And, mm-hmm. you know, really plastic pollution didn't become a huge issue until the the 60s and 70s. And a lot of these, you know, city infrastructure was built far before that. And so, you know, now we're dealing with some of the repercussions around, you know, behavior with with plastic and and the mass production of it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, but in terms of, you know, what we're seeing in L.A., Brian, maybe you can talk to, you know, some of the storm drain patterns and some of the things you're seeing on the ground. Yeah, I mean, so they're they're definitely still around. Um, they are. You know, they. I think they've. Yeah, I think they've gotten a little bit. You know, they've added some some extra you know protection to try to prevent some of the litter from going down. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. that you know the grading has gotten a bit smaller um, in some some places. Some properties um, have you know added in some extra filtration devices. Maybe some you know charcoal acted filters. You know, to really help you know mitigate some of the the runoff from like parking garages, you're not, you know, discharging, you know, potentially oil or, you know, other hazardous materials um, like straight in. But the thing with, you know, these storm drains, unless you're going to basically make them out of cheesecloth or something else, that's not going (laughs) to, you know, allow anything to like any particulates to go down. Like 
the soft plastics, the microplastics, like these, these things are, are so small that you, you're not going to be able to have a, an efficient, you know, draining system, you know, if, if it's built to like get, keep everything out. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a crazy, crazy thing to be like faced with. I mean, we need mm-hmm. plastic is an amazing, it's an amazing material. There's, you know, there's like so many, you know, inventions in like the med medical field or you know, sure. in, in countless other spots where plastic is, is a great device. And like even our, our first like C-Bend units are, you know, roto molded out of, you know, out of plastic. Yeah. So it shouldn't be something that, you know, in, in, in the responsibility of using it, we need to make sure it's not being, you know, used for single-use items. You know, something that has like a, you know, a longer life, you know, cycle um, and an end-of-life, you know, plan, you know, when it's, when it's not going to be able to be used anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Marina Del Rey, and I'm thinking of all the people that actually live on the water. Clearly, there has to be um, things in place for how they get rid of their trash. I mean, and I would think if you're living in on a on in the water, then you are probably somebody that's very proactive in not letting that water, plastic water bottle, your Pepsi water bottle, your um can of beer, your bottle of beer. You don't want that sitting in the water outside your um beautiful um boat. So I'm sure that I'd like to think that that those folks are very diligent about that. I I'd like to believe that. But mm-hmm. what I you know, was wondering, uh, go ahead, go. You want to respond to that? Go it's, ahead. It's, yeah, just I just want to like jump in on that. It's 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 something that's you know it's it's kind of funny and I think just kind of like human nature in the in the same breath is that you know we've actually had some conversations down here you know in these in the in Red Array you know at some of these like nice mm-hmm. beautiful complexes you know people paying you know, a bunch to live here in this very pristine environment. And on yes. trash day, like we, we go outside on the streets, any of these mole roads and like the, the, the cans are not covered, the wind's blowing and like trash is like mm. all over the street. Oh it's, boy. It's, I think it just, it just takes, you know, just a reminder sometimes. Cause like, so we actually mm-hmm. went into, into one of the apartment offices about a month ago, just, you know, not maliciously, but it's like, Hey, like just want to let you guys know, you know, we're out here, you know, trying to clean up the water and, you know, we we noticed that, you know, these cans really aren't secured, a little bit like overfull and a lot of this debris is ending up, you know, back in the waterways. Yes. And they and they made, you know, some changes and, you know, are being a bit Good. more responsible on how, how they manage the waste. But it's you know, it's, I think it's one of those things that you you sometimes you just have to bring it up. Um because mm-hmm. people are like, Oh, it's not that's not my problem, like that's the that's the trash oh, guy's boy. problem. But you know, it ends up being it you know, it really is everybody's problem. It, it just mm-hmm. takes somebody to, like, speak up and, you know, start the conversation. An awareness, absolutely. So how does – I'm going to keep this question with you, Brian. So how does the government leverage this data to create a better policy? I would think that, you know, do you guys go down and speak to city councils? Do you do – you, how do you relate this information to the government? So we, we've, we've invited them down. Um, we've had – you know, some meetings with, um, you know, the county supervisor's office, um, some people at beaches and harbors. Um, and it's, we're starting that process. I think, you know, one of the big things that they wanted to see proof of concept here, we've been running in, in Sydney, Australia for, you know, about three years, but 
you know, they they want to see, you know, how it how it sets up here, and I think know that we're going to be around, you know, like next year and the year after that. Um, but I, I think that one of the coolest things that we're able to offer, um, like for the government, like you know, kind of back to what some of the stuff Scott said, is that we we act as a an amazing like data monitoring platform. There's mm-hmm. really no other way for them to know. You know, we just had a you know the polystyrene you know foam. Um, you know, single-use stuff for uh, restaurants, you know, ban that's going into effect here. But, like, how do, how do we know how effective that policy is um, just on its own? Like, it's like, great. Mm-hmm. All right, we, we're not using this anymore. But, you know, is it all coming from restaurants or is it coming from, you know, like, you know, fishing containers when people are getting, like, worms or bait? I mean, there's, there's a lot of other places mm-hmm. that, can, you know, these materials can come from, um, from cooler, like, you know, so many different spots, but if they don't have a, a mechanism to to monitor, you know, what their policy is doing, they, they're not sure whether or not it's the right policy or if it needs to be, you know, reshaped or you know looked at. That we we offer that 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 possibility, like to actually mm-hmm. understand, you know, what what different legislation and policy making is doing. And you know, it's been nice to be here ahead of some of these policies because now now we'll see. We actually have data like leading up to you know this foam ban, and then you know any other things that come out in the future. Like we'll have you know a data set prior to, and then we can you know, then look at the, the data that comes in afterwards. That's that's true. So I would imagine that after doing this for quite some time, that there have been some success stories. Do you want to share a couple of those with us? Yes. Um, you know, yeah. for, for me personally, um, outside of just, you know, having like cleaner waterways, like the, the educational outreach has been something that was very, very important to me. And, you know, as I'm planning out, you know, my successes and like, you know, what I want to see for, you know, these, these upcoming years, um, this year, we're actually able to tick off, you know, a couple of the ones that I had placed a bit farther out. And that was the, you know, getting into programs with, uh, both students at University, you know, UCLA, and then also UC Berkeley. Um, so working with right. undergrad students, like doing research projects around our tech. And for me to be able to interact with them and see, quite frankly, people that are much smarter than I um, with this passion and desire to make, you know, this, this world a better place to live in and, you know, keep it, you know, habitable for, you know, for generations to come, it's uh very inspiring. Um, so I think that's, you know what that's I'm probably, thinking. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brian, but yeah, you mentioned no. um, UCLA and Go Bruins and and Berkeley, okay. but to me, it seems like with all these STEM schools and all of, I mean, it seems like sometimes children can really influence their parents, and I would think being in front of these some of these high schoolers or maybe even middle schoolers, how interesting it would be to for each of you, you're on two different coastlines, to bring your story to our our public education or private education, whatever that might be. But you've probably got plenty of kids out there that have never even heard or thought about what you guys are doing. I think that that would be, you know, I could even see a TED Talk. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of places where you guys could get in front of audiences and share what you're doing with a PowerPoint, you know, or whatever. Have you guys thought about that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely something on the radar. It's a good you know, at this point with um, with our limited um, staff and yes, and resources like everybody here else in the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just been you know kind of trying to tackle you know what what what's going to like put in the most you know most value most impact for us right at any given day. So we definitely we get kids down. So we also do uh, you know at least once a month we conduct volunteer data sessions. So anyone in the community oh, can good. find us and like come down and do this with us. And we've had we've had kids as young as probably like eight nine. I mean my kids have done mm-hmm. it. So yeah, I mean mm-hmm. seven. Um, and then I had, you know, this, and again, like, you know, some really inspiring kids. I had a kid come down with his, with his mom and he, I'm not sure what STEM program he's in, but he's like, he's already doing a podcast of his own on climate, like issues at 11 years old. And wow. he came down to do this with us and just like seeing like the, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like that's, and that's what gets, that's, that's the success, right? That's, you we're, bet. we're showing the problem to like these, these, you know, resources and kids and human beings that are going to come up with a lot of amazing ideas in the future. And, you know, together we're going to be able to tackle and hopefully, you know, turn the tap off, you know, and, mm-hmm. and be more responsible with how we're using plastics. Well, so, Scott, that takes me, we, we've we heard Brian, um, you know, share some of the success stories, but like anything, there are successes and then there are challenges. So what have been some of the challenges getting the Smart City program launched um, here in Los Angeles, Is, have you found some challenges? Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to play bad cop and talk about some of the challenges well. we, we've we've experienced. No, it's um, you know, I think with any any big endeavor like trying to clean up the oceans and get as much uh, interest and involvement and support as you can, you're gonna come across challenges, right? And I think you know the the first one was. Is probably you know Brian and I have um, you know we've really been been spearheading you know getting CBIN launched in North America um, you know specifically in Marina del Rey with our you know second global smart city and I you know the the challenge that that we saw felt initially was that um, you know one CBIN has a very large presence in Australia. You know, there's a a big you know social media following and community following. That's where most of our staff is, and so there's, you know, a lot a lot of people know what what CBIN is. Whereas here in North America, Brian and I have found that you know aside from some of the marinas like Brian's who purchased these units, um, a lot of folks, um, uh, at least initially, weren't as familiar with CBIN, and if they mm-hmm. were. You know, they would say, "Oh, isn't it that uh, that trash can thing for for the ocean?" <laughs> which, which we are, and, and, but mm-hmm. that you know it, that leads to a very important discussion about our new model and our new program, where we are going into cities to work with community and government and businesses to sponsor it. And so, I think that um, you know this evolution of you know coming in and, and reaching out to different groups. Um, educating them on what, you know, CBIN is and what our smart city model is all about and what this, imp- you know, the power of the, the impact data and how folks can get involved with this new model. Um, you know, whether you call it a, a challenge or, you know, an exciting opportunity to make, you know, impact mm-hmm. in, a, in, a new, in a new territory for, for CBIN, you know, it, it was certainly that. And, 
um, you know, now we're, you know, we have, um, uh, you know, this awesome roster of, of sponsors that, you know, is, is ever growing. Um, and, you know, like Brian, you know, was talking about, we have all this amazing community involvement and support from universities mm-hmm. and students and schools and just the average Joe and Jane, you know, coming down to get involved and, and spread the word. So I think that that's, you know, that's, you know, maybe has been one challenge was just kind of the, you know, the initial education of, of, you know, our new program and what we're all about. Um, and I think one it, or the other, you know, is around, um, and it's just the nature of our, you know, our business is, you know, like we were talking about before, our end goal is to, you know, frankly, have service um, contracts with government, again, because we feel that there should be infrastructure in the water around cleanup and, you know, monitoring and, tr- and tracking of, of pollution. And so, you know, as I'm sure many listeners can understand who work in business or, or do work with the government, it just, it takes a lot of time. Um, mm-hmm. to, to um, you know, push things along in terms of setting up partnerships with, with government. And, again, it's not uh, – um, it's, it's more so that's just the reality of, of working with government. And so, um, you know, I think, yeah, those are kind of two areas that we're constantly thinking and talking and strategizing about, um, you know, every day between Brian and I is, you know, continuing to, you know, expand our, our – um, you know, sponsor roster, you know, while also continuing to, you know, work with a variety of uh, you know, government bodies to get their um, support and involvement. Well, you know, one thing that's certainly changed over the years is technology. You guys are not sitting mm-hmm. on the same side of the country. One of you wants mm-hmm. on the West Coast, one of you is on the East Coast. Zoom used to be something we did with our cameras. Now it's something that we do when we see each other and we talk and we hold businesses and we hold meetings and we correspond. And you may not be sitting in the same place, but you sort of are, you know. So technology has worked, I think, um, for us in many ways in that regard. But I guess what I'd like to know from you, Scott, because I know we we have about ten more minutes, and I, I just would like to know what is it about Seabin that you enjoy so much? Yeah, um, yeah. I guess a couple things. I think first of all, it's the the people at Seabin. Um, like Brian and I were saying, everyone just has this organic, unique story about how they came to Seabin, and everyone genuinely, to their core, cares so deeply about you know preserving our oceans um, mm-hmm. and being a part of the of the solution, right? And everyone is, um, you know, I find to be such a you know such a good human, um, mm-hmm. which can can be very rare to find in you know in your employer. And, um, uh, you know, so I think that, yeah, the, just the, the people and the team at CBIN, um are people I can easily, you know, hang out with any, any day of the week. Um, so I think that's, that's probably, um, you know, one. But then, you know, the other is, is really just the feeling, the fulfillment you get about being part of the solution, right? It's one thing, right. Brian say this all the time, it's one thing, it's one thing to talk to talk talk it's another to walk the walk and everyone right. even is is walking the walk and trying to get everyone else around us involved right whether it's by being a sponsor or a volunteer or just 
you know, uh, signing up for a newsletter or doing a beach cleanup with us. So we're just trying to get, you know, everyone else involved with the solution. And, and it's just very, you know, exciting and rewarding and fulfilling to, um, you know, really be a part of the solution around, um, you know, plastic pollution and, and ocean health. So, um, yeah, I could probably keep going, but I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop at that. Okay, we'll give Brian. We'll, we'll give Brian a chance to say what is it that you love so much about it, Brian? Well, yeah, thank you. Um, although somehow I'm not sure how Scott filled my notes, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a, a I told you Zoom, right? No. <laughs> right. I know. It's you know, it's it's definitely the people have made like you know, it, it just it's such an amazing experience, and it starts from. It starts from the top, you know. Like in any organization, if you have if you have somebody that cares deeply um, about its people, um, about the company culture, you know, the trickle down effect just does amazing things. And like our CEO's ability to to put this team together um, of so many unique people, but you know, with the same same end goal, has been mm-hmm. nothing short of you know amazing. Um, and then also, you know, being like yeah, we're we're you know clean. We're doing things to clean up the ocean, but the the immediacy of of what we do as well, especially with you know myself and you know our our environmental tech that's out here you know in the field every day, you know seeing that we're you know making that impact like every single day, um, and then sharing that experience with with the community members or you know sponsors that come down. Like that's that's been such a highlight of you know, my, my time here with Steven is get, like, giving people that, that aha moment, even though it's, mm-hmm. it, it can be a bit scary, um, but just really opening their eyes to, you know, daily activities and how they're impacting, you know, this ecosystem that we all take so much enjoyment out of. Um, well, yeah. I, and, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, 4th of July is around the corner. A lot of people are going to go to the ocean a lot of people are going to be in the marina. They're, you know, they're not even at the ocean. They're in the marina. But maybe they're, because they're watching the fireworks or whatever they might, wherever they might be. You know, I think what's important about what you guys are doing is just raising the consciousness level of this. That maybe people, until they had listened to this podcast together, hadn't really thought about because maybe they're very careful. Like, I know I'm very careful. I'm very careful about what goes in my blue bin, which is our recycling bin. And I make sure that I don't put that in my regular trash can, that I want it to be recycled properly. And sometimes education is very important, but I I have this famous saying, you don't know what you don't know, because in reality that's very much the case. And and by sharing these this love of what you do, I think um, really lets the, those of us. I mean, there could be somebody listening right now going, you know what? I was looking to make a change in career, and this might be just the place I want to land. So you you know you just you never know where a conversation takes you because I know that for a fact because. You know, I've never met a stranger, so I'm always in conversation with people. And it's amazing what you learn when you are in conversation with people. So how can people, Scott, how can people get more involved and be part of your mission? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think that was very well said, Marsha, and it's, you know, Thank you. connection, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, conversation and connection. It's it's also at the core of what we do at, at CBIN. You know, mm-hmm. Brian and our environmental technician crew, you know, they're constantly talking with any bystander who is, you know, interested in what we're doing or wondering what we're doing. And, you know, the community outreach and education, it's just, it's a huge part of, of our, you know, our program. Um, and yeah, you know, the a cool thing about Stephen is that there are actually so many different ways to get involved with, with what we're doing. Um, you know, starting from um, uh, kind of, uh, you know, highly involved to more passively involved and just being aware. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, there's, if there are uh, businesses or business owners or organizations who, you know, have interest in being a part of this solution and becoming a, a sponsor of our program where, you know, they have real impact data tied to their brand and their business um, where they can, you know, highlight that impact across all their channels, you know, sponsorship is certainly, you know, an amazing opportunity for, for those organizations and, and folks. Um, you know, Steven also has a, a, you know, a nonprofit um, where anyone I can I saw that. And, you, have a, you have a foundation, yeah. don't you? We do. Oh. Yeah, we have, a founda- we have a foundation that focuses on – you know, they focus on everything around education and science and research and, and data. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're very intertwined and work closely with, with our foundation. Um, and so, obviously, you know, like any nonprofit, you can, you know, donate directly to, to that nonprofit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if folks want to stay up to date with everything that Steven has going on and all the impact we're creating, which is a lot these days, you can – you know, go to our, our website, seven.io and, and sign up for our newsletter um, that we send mm-hmm. out every month. And, you know, I can personally attest that they are um, abundant with a lot of um, cool information and stories about what we're up to globally. You know, you can follow us on social media um, to keep up with, you know, what we're doing in the field day to day. And then, you know, maybe coming full circle to actually something you mentioned at the beginning of this you know, conversation, Marsha, with just some of the other, you know, nonprofits who do cleanup efforts in, you know, the L.A. Um, area. Actually, on, on July 5th, the day after July 4th, which is the biggest cleanup day, uh, beach cleanup day in, oh, you no know, in the, in, the U- in the U.S., we're actually doing a big um, beach cleanup event with um, Los Angeles Surfrider, so LA Surfrider, um, which is a you know, beach cleanup organization. We're we're partnering uh-huh. with them and, and and doing you know a beach cleanup, which is open to you know anyone who wants to, um, you know participate. So if you just Google you know LA LA Surfrider July fifth beach cleanup, you'll find the event and you can read read about it and, and sign up. And so, um, yeah, you know that's you know also a way to get involved and. Um, you know, lastly, as Brian mentioned, we have a volunteer program as well. You can reach out to us if you're interested in becoming a citizen scientist and helping our environmental technicians sort through some of the data. Um, and so, um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get involved. If you just want to come check out a CBIN, like we said at the beginning of this conversation, reach out to us. We're always happy to host folks down and, and show them what a CBIN, you know, looks like in action. So, um, yeah, definitely lots of ways to get involved. I think that's 
you know, with I, I'm going to just speak for the senior population right now, um, since I seem to be sitting in that one. And, you know, sometimes you just need something to do. Some people will say to me, oh, Marcia, you're um, a little over something to do. But others maybe really are looking for something to do, something that's meaningful to them. And, frankly, you could be living in San Francisco. You could be living along the, the eastern seaboard. You could be living in the, the southern seaboard. And water is water. And the ideal is to keep the plastics out of it and to be mindful of our behavior. And I think what you guys are doing and bringing this to the attention of our listeners is important. And I just want to thank you so much for what it is you're doing and for keeping up with something that clearly, as water guys, you have a passion for. This has been a really um, informative and wonderful conversation with both of you. I'm, I'm so grateful for this. Well, yeah, thank you, thank you so much for having us, Marcia. It's, it, it really means a lot to us to get to, you know, talk about our passion, but also, you know, just spread the word because, like, knowledge, knowledge is power, and, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. So, if, you know, Exactly. You people don't, don't know, know what about you the problem. don't know. Exactly. No, you're very, it's very true. So, I, I, like I said, I, I just want to thank you once again. I'll make sure that this gets across, you know, all of my social media so that people will be listening to this and, and perhaps volunteering. It won't, it's not hard to find you guys. You just have to go to your website. You could just subscribe to the newsletter. You know, you are easily findable. And like you mentioned, mm-hmm. for those people that do live locally in the LA Surfrider, that's just something that's happening here. But I would recommend wherever you are, wherever you live, the listener that maybe is not living anywhere near Marina Del Rey and living somewhere else, look and see what's available in your community that will allow you to be part of the solution and not a part of the problem of having cleaner oceans because that's the goal so i will let you gentlemen get on with the rest of your day i'm i'm grateful for this opportunity and i'm sure people have really really enjoyed listening to this podcast so everyone be safe out there be safe on the fourth of july be mindful of your behavior you never know and for now i will say bye for now everybody